reasons is meaning. And we don't know what the reason is. It's irrelevant. What's it, it's just if there were six people watching you uh, fail that test, one person could say, well, I think you're st- I, I see that you're stupid. And another person says, well, that's not what I see. What I see is you didn't learn it. You didn't master it yet. Somebody else says, well, I don't think you were learning in your learning style. And somebody else says, well, I don't think that you care or really even like that subject. And somebody else says, I don't think you had a very good teacher. Those are all valid ways of observing the events. So if there are other valid ways of observing the events, is your interpretation the truth or simply one? See, because when you when you go into reasons, it's well, yeah, but it's more, it makes more sense that that's the reason than this. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. Today's episode is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, IBME. Wondering what your teen is going to do this summer? Wish they had more? More focus? More compassion? More patience? More peace? Inward Bound Mindfulness Education understands and they offer exactly that to our kids. Through innovative formats and teaching frameworks, they teach teens and young adults mindfulness practices, practices they can use anywhere, anytime for ease and presence. Teens come out calmer and better able to manage stress and anxiety. They build deep listening skills, learn to navigate difficult emotions, and increase self-awareness. They feel more comfortable in their own skin. In fact, teens consistently comment on how much they love being in this community, feeling accepted and supported by peers and adults alike. And this summer, IBME is offering multiple in-person retreats, six throughout June and July. Attending retreat is a powerful experience where your child will learn mindfulness practices with the help of incredible staff and supportive peers. Visit ibme.com slash mightyparenting for details, dates, and registration. That's ibme.com slash mightyparenting. Our conversation today is with Shelly Lefko. Shelly is an international speaker and workshop leader, as well as co-founder of the Lefko Institute. And she's going to give us a little info today about what she does, but she's here today to talk to us about beliefs and how they get formed and how to ensure our children form the ones that serve them in life and not hinder them. Shelly, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me, Sandy. Yeah, I... We were talking beforehand. I told you I am so interested in what you're doing. It it ties in with so many different things that I have talked to people about, learned about, experienced, and it feels like your work can almost be at the source, at the at the base of any other work that we're going to do and make that even better. So I'm really fascinated, but You have said that our children's beliefs are the single most important thing that will determine their future. Why do you say that? (laughs) Because it's true. (laughs) And why is it true? (laughs) I was thinking, what a great quote. (laughs) That's quoted from you. (laughs) It's true because 
for the past 30 years, I have been working with people in every country. Well, not 30 years. That's not true. We used to do in-person sessions. Then it was phone. And now with Zoom, I have I have a client, Sandy, in Kuwait. I have a client in Syria, in Lebanon. I mean, it is mind-blowing where my clients come from. And what is also mind-blowing is that everybody has the same beliefs that come from the same place that stop them in the same way. And when I realized that early, early on in my career, um, I realized that if we could transform the way in which people parent, we could change the world. Uh, I was in a meeting just this morning, we're putting together um, a, a package of something, a pro program, a specific program to do with people. And um, it, it is something that I'm so passionate about. And I will tell you in a minute how beliefs get formed. Um, and why they stay with us throughout our lives. But there has never been a time, and I was, I was saying this in the meeting this morning, there's never been a time where I said to somebody, is your life consistent with your beliefs? And they say, absolutely. Because if you believe people uh, can't be trusted, you, that's gonna impact your behavior. If you believe I'm not smart, that's going to impact. If you believe mistakes and failures are bad, you're not going to be a risk taker and you're not going to be innovative. Even if like my client yesterday, his boss said, if you're not more innovative, you're going to get, you're going to lose your job. And the guy has the belief mistakes and failures are bad. And if I make a mistake or fail, I'll be rejected, which are very, very common beliefs. Now I want to back up for a second. So that's why our beliefs are the single most important thing that determine our behavior, our emotions, and ultimately our reality. So if you believe life is hard, you're going to end up with a hard life. If you believe money is scarce and hard to get, that's going to manifest. And your behavior will also be um, uh, uh, consistent with that belief. So I know that the audience I'm talking to today is not my usual audience. My usual audience for parenting are people with young children. Um, so when I'm talking to parents of teenagers, I wanna be very, very mindful that this is not a place for you to feel guilt, okay? Um, I was not the perfect parent. I made mistakes. Um, my kids are not perfect. They're magnificent human beings. But we all have issues. No matter what you do, your kids are going to hate you. <laughs> Somebody said that to me the other day, and we were laughing. No matter what you do, your kids are going to hate you. So I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Um, uh, there's a there's a book that I recommend that that I think is every, a parent every parent of teenagers should read, um, and it's called Uncommon Sense for Parenting. Sorry, for parents of teenagers by Michael Riera. And he talks about the fact that who your teenagers are being right now is not who they're going to be in life. Um, and that um, they're trying on personalities to see who they want to be. And 
um, they, they get very angry because they want to be independent and they still need you and they resent you for it. So that's kind of a little synopsis of just information to know. Now I'll talk about my work. <clears throat> so kids come into this world as a little babies come in, we all come in as a little ball of consciousness and we don't know anything about ourselves, life, people, or the world. We don't know if we're good enough or not good enough, important or not important, um, if we're smart or stupid, uh, if the world is a friendly place or a dangerous place. And depending on where we incarnate, where we show up, where we come in, we look around and we see mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad or just mom, whatever your family of origin is, you look around. And in my experience, every child alive in every country around the world wants three things. So your children, even today, they want affection, attention, and acknowledgement. And when I ask parents, what is the one word question every child asks all day long, even my client in Uganda said, why? Why can't I live up to my parents' expectations? Well, I guess I'm not good enough. Why are my parents busy and never paying attention to me? Well, I guess I'm not important. Why don't I get kisses and hugs and affection? Well, I guess I'm not lovable. Why are mommy and daddy struggling over money? Well, I guess life is hard and money is scarce and hard to get. So we form these beliefs and I, I'm not gonna go deeply into this, but we, our beliefs stay with us. And this is very important for parents of teenagers. Our beliefs stay with us because we think we saw those beliefs in the world. So let's imagine, I wanna just make that real. Um, uh, you think somebody doesn't like you and Sandy doesn't like you. And you believe that, she just doesn't like me. And you and I are standing on the street and we're talking and Sandy walks by and she doesn't say hello. Wouldn't you say to me, see, I told you she doesn't like me. It's as if you could see she doesn't like me. And you can't not believe something you think you saw, right? So, but I saw it. It's What do you mean it's not true? I saw there was a Santa Claus. No, you didn't. You saw a guy in a red suit with a beard and you saw your parents tell you he was going to bring you presents on Christmas. But you never saw that there is a Santa Claus. And when you get that at eight years old, your belief goes away and never comes back. So now I want to tie this into your children and then I'll take your questions. You can listen beliefs. So if your child walks in and says, everybody hates me. Oh, really? Well, what happened that had you feel that way, sweetie? And they'll tell you. And you can play a game with them called valid interpretations. And you can say, well, it could mean everybody hates you. 
what's another interpretation? What's another way of looking at it? So I'm going to kind of work with you a little bit to get you to see how you could help your children. You may or may not be able to help them eliminate their beliefs, but there are ways that you can loosen them. You can have them question them. And I'll tell you what to do to actually disappear them. But obviously, you're not a facilitator of my work. You're not going to start working on your kids like this. But to the degree that you can get that they're not being little shits, they have beliefs that is very instrumental in what they'll do, what they won't do. And if you can try getting to the source of those beliefs as opposed to trying to fix it and put a Band-Aid on it. So if they don't want, so this is called get to the source, don't force. Kids are not, doesn't want to do their homework. And I don't ask the question why, okay? And, and I have lots of reasons. You can know why, but then you need to do something about it. So I think a much more powerful question is what? What about your homework? What is it about doing your homework that you don't like? What could we do to help you want to do it because you have to or do it because you have to do it, right? So what questions, you know, would it be? Um, would it be better if you did it before dinner or after dinner? You know, do you need some free time from school? To, but get to the source. What is it about school that's having you not want to go? You may find out that your child is being bullied and prevent something. I had a child 14 years old who just uh, um, shot himself because he was being bullied online. He's a gamer. And he actually told his mom and she did something about it and the bullies went away. And then a couple of months later, they came back. And this is not uncommon today. So you must know what's going on with your child as opposed to, you always do this or you're always late or you never do that or, you know, and we all as parents fall into wanting to fix things as opposed to get to the source of the problem so that you can help. And then you can say to them, sweetie, is there anything that you believe? And they might say, yeah, then I'm stupid. Or yeah, that kids don't like me. Or yeah, I can never, I don't have what it takes. And in a minute, I'm, I'm gonna show you how to do that. But the most important thing I want you to get from me today is A, that their beliefs will determine their behavior, their emotions, and, um, and their hormones as teenagers. That's another, another separate piece. Yes, they're hormonal. And sometimes they can't control themselves. And if you just validate feelings, validate feelings, validate feelings. You know, sometimes I get in a podcast and it's like I have a certain amount of time and I want to just give you everything. So I don't know that I'm being very succinct, but I'm throwing things at you that will be very valuable, I promise. Um, so validate feelings. I hate you. Wow. You really hate me. Wow. You must be really angry, sweetheart. And then they go, Phew. it's like taking air out of a balloon. I hate school. 
you hate school, you hate your best friend. Um, I'm horrible. Oh, you think you're, I'm the worst soccer player. Wow, you think you're the worst soccer player in the world. And if I had one piece of advice to give parents of teenagers, stop talking, listen, <laughs> listen. Yes. yes, listen, listen, listen. And when they stop talking, listen. And you will get information that you would have never gotten before. It's so interesting, Shelley. On Mighty Parenting, we give away an email series to help parents communicate with their teens. And spoiler alert, if you haven't already signed up for it, the very first email tells you to stop talking. I'm like, just for 24 hours, do not talk, do not initiate a conversation. If they say something, nod, mm-hmm, unless they're forcing a response from you, just don't say anything. And also notice how many times you wanted to jump in there yes, and fix it, tell them, you know, quote unquote, support them or coach them, which is really a lot of times other words for telling them. So and my favorite, um, yeah, my favorite three words are, oh, I got it. Yeah, I got it. That's true for you. Or wow, you had a shitty day. I got it. And we want to say, oh, your best friend would never hurt you or oh, 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 but you're so lucky to be in this country or what do you mean you had a shitty day? You go to the best school. So this is interesting because in listening to you, what I heard is we want to jump in and fix it. Which isn't that going back to our beliefs? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, we're, we're talking about our kids' beliefs and, and we'll go back to this again in a minute, but you've given us some understanding and some communication strategies to help us parent through this. And yet a lot of our, what we're finding out are not so great impulses are going to stem from our own beliefs. I, I get emails from parents who go through this series and one dad said, you've stopped me from just making so many stupid comments to my child. Like that's as far as I've gotten, but I'm not saying the things that I wanted to say. And from listening to the podcast, I'm understanding why I don't want to say them. I don't quite know what to say yet. And that's okay. Ah, I used to do a workshop where it was all about beliefs. It was a, I think it was a nine hour workshop um, on, on beliefs and people would come out and you can't see me, but they would go, Shelly, I find myself going and they open their mouth to speak and they just don't know what to say. So I started adding a lot of content because they know what not to say, but they don't know what to say. And right. that's because nobody ever taught us. Nobody mm -hmm. ever, you're supposed to be responsible for the emotional, physical, spiritual, intellectual development of a human being by the seat of your pants. It is insane. I always say you need a license to drive a truck, but anybody could be a parent. And that is bizarre. So there are, you know, I, I mean, it's mine. There's a, there's a lot of courses. That's why I, I, I said Michael Riera's book, but nobody tells us oh, when your child is walking away from you, what are they concluding? And do I want them to have that belief for the rest of, of their lives? So 
our beliefs got formed the same way. And we not only have beliefs about ourselves, but we have beliefs about parenting. So my mother believed a good mother does everything for her child. That did not serve me well. <laughs> you know, um, I had the belief I'm not capable. Now, I did a lot of things well, because a lot of things, I'm very blessed, things come natural, certain things come naturally to me. But man, if something was hard, or I couldn't do it, I staffed it out, I asked somebody else, you know, to do it. I didn't do it. And I had the belief that I'm not capable, mistakes and failures are bad, you know, so you have to look at your own beliefs, parent, what is a parent's job? And you think your job is to get your kid into college. Well, your job is to instill beliefs, you know, like religious beliefs in your child or morals in your child or values. And I'm not saying that's not, but your job is to facilitate your children to create positive beliefs about themselves in life, because that's what's going to make them successful human beings. All right. Say that again. Our job is to facilitate our children. To create positive beliefs about themselves in life. You are not the boss of your children. You are their guardian angel. And when you get rid of the belief, I'm the boss, my children are here to live up to my expectations. You're, you're their guardian angel. So if he was my husband's um, philosophy on parenting, if they're not, now this first one is a big one. If they're not hurting themselves, something or property, I'm sorry, hurting themselves, another or something property, they should be able to do whatever they want. You are not the boss. It's their excellent adventure. But if they're hurting themselves, right? They're doing something dangerous. They're not eating well. They're not taking care of their bodies. They're uh, skipping school. They're hurting themselves. Then you step in. But if you don't like what they're wearing, or you think they should be doing this sport or that thing. Now, again, if they're hurting themselves and they're not getting exercise, you step in. But because you were a soccer player doesn't mean they have to be. Or because you did this doesn't mean they have to. Or because you think they should go to this college doesn't mean they should. So when you, when you come from the context that you are their guardian angel, it's a completely different come from. Now, again, your kids are cooked for those of you who don't have young children. And um, I wanna teach you really quickly how to get rid of, how to help them get rid of uh, negative beliefs. Um, but, but are there any other questions, um, Sandy, about you, how your own beliefs impact your parenting? By the way, if you believe your kid is not important and they ignore you, what are you gonna feel? If I think they're not important, no, and they if ignore you me? believe, if you believe I'm not important. Oh, oh, if I believe I myself, I'm not important and my child ignores me, I'm going to go see, I'm not important. And you're going to get angry. <laughs> and then it's I'm going to trigger well, angry, hurt. Yes. Yeah. But it's going to trigger you. Yes. Oh, absolutely. When you get rid of the belief, I'm not important, which almost everybody has one of the two com most common beliefs. I'm not good enough and I'm not important. And if you think you don't have it, ask yourself what makes you important. 
Okay. And if you said anything other than nothing, I just am, you believe I'm not important. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So if you get rid of that belief and your child ignores you, you'll say, sweetheart, I don't appreciate being ignored. I don't ignore you. I'd appreciate an answer, but there's no emotion. Right. It's the triggering. And you said, you know, parenting beliefs. There are so many starting with my children are a reflection of me. You know, how, what the kids choose to do, how they're dressed, what they're participating in, what kind of grades they get, what they choose to do post-secondary schooling, all these things. It's a reflection of me. So here's the belief. That is the number one belief that kills parents. So thank you, Sandy. Very good. That is the number one belief that will have you throw your child under the bus because a stranger might think badly of you. And the belief is, and I had it, it ran my life. And when I got rid of it, my entire life changed. What makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. Mm. That's why my children are a reflection of me. Mm -hmm. So we as parents work on getting rid of our own beliefs. And then in supporting our children, we need to parent from this place of, as you said, being a guardian angel. And that also, I just wanted to say, when you said that, I also want to remind us, a guardian angel does not plow everything out of our way. They do not clear the obstacles, make life easy. They are just there as backup support. They're there to listen. They are there when asked to share ideas or to, to help mop up the mess when asked in this. And I love this because I've been saying this so much lately, but I'm going to say it again. This fits in with the other things that we're talking about here on the podcast. The other things that we're hearing, it's like another piece of the puzzle. It's not something new that we need to do. It's continuing the same process that we're learning for parenting. What's perhaps new for many of us is this taking it back to beliefs. So I just want to go back to this idea of when our kids are doing or not doing almost anything, it sounds like it's going to go back to a belief they have. Is that correct? Yeah. If they're worried, yes. If they're worried about, um, if they believe, so one of the most common beliefs are what makes me good enough are my achievements. So very rarely do parents say to their kids, I love being with you. You are such a joy to be with. You're such a kind person. You're very thoughtful. I noticed how, how uh, you shared your toy, your whatever with your sibling or um to acknowledge their being, right? So when my husband passed at his memorial, all people talked about, a hundred people got, well, 50 of the hundred people got up and spoke and talked about he was the most loving person. He was non-judgmental. He listened, he cared, he was present with people. They never heard him say a bad word about anybody. They talked about who he was, not what he did. Most of us acknowledge our children. Oh, you got an A. 
Oh, you didn't get an A. Oh, you scored a goal. Oh, you didn't score a goal. Oh, you took out the garbage. You didn't take out the garbage. You did your homework. You did. It's, we're not human doings. We are human beings. So children end up with the belief, what makes me good enough are my achievements, because that's the only time I got the praise and the pat on the head and the hugs and the, and the I'm proud of you. So that must mean my good enoughness is a function of my achievements. That's what turns into workaholism or um, procrastination. Because if you have beliefs that you can do it, you're driven to keep achieving. So it's like holding a beach ball underwater. The beach ball, I'm not good enough. And what makes me good enough is the uh, my achievements. Now I have to hold this beach ball underwater. I have to keep achieving and achieving and achieving. And that's what workaholism is. Because the minute you stop, you feel not good enough. So if you make sports or grades or whatever, um, just a game, it's a means to an end. You know, if you want to have a lot of doors open to you, you know, get good grades. But it doesn't mean anything about you if you don't. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you're a loser. And that's the thing about alternative interpretations. If your child is failing in some way, and when I say failing, I mean not doing as well as they want to be, you can say, well, it could mean you're stupid, but or you're not a good athlete. But it, what else could it mean? It could mean that you don't have a good coach or you're not learning in your learning style. You're a visual learner in an auditory environment. You know, it could mean that you hadn't learned it yet. It could mean that you can't swim across a pool very fast, but that doesn't mean who you are can't be anything you want to be in life. You may not make the Olympics as a swimmer, but that doesn't mean anything about you. So brainstorming, having them see other ways, alternative interpretations, other ways of looking at things loosens the belief because they can get, I never saw I was stupid. I just saw not getting good grades in a very specific learning environment. And that does not mean I'm stupid. So there's a very powerful way that you can interact with your child just because I wasn't invited to that party. It could mean uh, uh, I'm not good enough. And it could mean that the kid was only allowed a certain amount of kids. And it could mean the kid didn't think I wanted to come or the kid, I didn't invite them to my birthday party. But the fact that I wasn't invited to that party doesn't tell me anything about me and the rest of my life. Well, and there's a communication shift in using this as well that I appreciate. And again, as parents, if our child is down, sad, angry, frustrated about some type of perceived failure, I think we have a tendency to try to mitigate that situation by pointing out a different achievement. So we might be trying to send the message that you're not stupid, but we're still basing their worth on achievement. If we say, well, you don't, you're not academic, but you're so creative. Look at you, you've got blue ribbon in the art show. And what I hear you saying is no, what we want them to do is to come to the conclusion that they're not stupid, but through these alternative interpretations, looking at other reasons that this situation can exist. The situation being 
you know, you, you have not scored a single goal in soccer all year. What are other reasons that could exist besides you are a terrible soccer? Yeah, and I wouldn't look at reasons. And there's no, a okay. Whole, what is I could, it? Yeah, I could write a book about that, but but for today, let me just say, um, and and I'm going to talk. I want to say one more thing that's so important: in valid interpretations. So other ways of looking at what are some other possibilities, as opposed. To, so reasons is meaning. And we don't know what the reason is. It's irrelevant. What's it, it's just if there were six people watching you uh, fail that test, one person could say, "Well, I think you're. St- I, I see that you're stupid." And another person says, "Well, that's not what I see. What I see is you didn't learn. You didn't master it yet." Somebody else says, "Well, I don't think you were learning in your learning style." And somebody else says, "Well, I don't think." that you care or really even like that subject. And somebody else says, I don't think you had a very good teacher. Those are all valid ways of observing the events. So if there are other valid ways of observing the events, is your interpretation the truth or simply one? See, because when you when you go into reasons, it's well, yeah, but it's more, it makes more sense that that's the reason than this. Now you're in a, um, a mind game, a dump, as opposed to Michael Jordan is one of the most powerful metaphors for parents of teenagers. Michael Jordan cut, got cut from his high school basketball team as a sophomore, okay? Michael Jordan could have said, I suck at basketball, like most kids do, and quit. But he said, I am getting back on that team no matter what. And he set up a basketball hoop outside his garage, and he practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced until he became the best player in the world. So it's not just he got back on the team. That would be a good story. But what makes this a great story is he went from being literally not uh, um, cut from his team. He was cut. He couldn't play. That was it to being the best in the world. So the fact that he got cut doesn't mean he sucks at basketball or he's a terrible athlete or he'd never play in the Olympics. So walk me through that more. I'm Michael Jordan's mother. He gets Who cut from the book. team. <laughs> she wrote the children's book I just bought for my, my grandson. Oh, I didn't know about that. I'll have to check that out. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he comes home. He's been cut from the team. I'm trying to think through this conversation. So, so the so mother says, and so, he come, so let's assume he comes home and says, I was cut from the team. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, honey, I'm sorry. That must be really disappointing. But it, how do you feel about that? So you don't tell him how he feels. Right. You know, how was that for you? Well, it sucks. Great. I got it. Now, if he says I suck at basketball or I'll never play in the Olympics, and that was his thing, he wanted to be in the Olympics, you could say, you know, the fact that you got cut One way of interpreting it is you'll never be in the Olympics and you suck at basketball. What's another possible interpretation? Well, it could mean that I need more practice and that I could get into the Olympics. 
Okay, that's a valid interpretation. Yeah, it could mean that I, they weren't teaching me in my learning style and I have to figure out a way to learn when the coach tells me something. That's okay. another interpretation. So there are a lot of ways to interpret the fact that you got cut from the team. So did the fact, did you ever see, I will never get into the Olympics? Can you point to that? Now, listen, anything you could see, so I, I, you can't see me, but if you look at something in front of you, just look at anything on your table, on the wall, in the room, does it have a color, shape, and location? Yes. So anything you could see has a color, shape, and location. You cannot see beliefs. And I'm going to give you all access to how to get rid of a belief for free as a present if Sandy says it's okay. So that, yeah, we're going to do that. We'll just have to do outside the podcast. So listen at the end of the show and I'll tell you parents, mighty parents, I will tell you how to access that. Okay, good. So, so, um, you cannot see anything you could see has a color, shape and location. You cannot see, I will never get into the Olympics. You cannot see I suck at basketball as I always will, as opposed to right now, what you see is you got cut from the team. That's all you saw. Everything else is in your mind. So I'm never going to be in the Olympics is in your mind. Everybody hates me, excuse me, is in your mind. Now, that doesn't mean that if your kid is never invited to a party, you don't need to look at something. If they're failing every subject, you need to, as I said, get to the source of it. Maybe that's not the right school for them. Maybe they need more. Maybe they need a smaller classroom. Maybe they need a learning environment where they learn visually. There's lots of ways that you can handle situations. And I'm not saying ignore them because your kid has beliefs and just get rid of the beliefs. But if you literally listen to what they're saying, you will hear. I taught this to one of my clients and um, she actually found out that something was happening to her daughter at school that had she not found out would have been a disaster. So getting to the source of these, these problems and learning how to listen to beliefs, and you will hear them, you'll hear your kids say, oh, I suck at math, or, you know, and, and if you listen and you do this alternative interpretations, you're interpreting the events, not the belief. So, the belief is an interpretation of the events, the events being anything that happened. I failed a subject. I crashed the car. I got kicked off the team. I didn't get invited to the party. Um, all of that. All right. So kind of bringing this all together, tell me if I'm missing a step or something here. What I'm getting from this is we just need to listen to our kids, stop talking and listen, validate their feelings. As we're listening to them, listen for beliefs. And when we hear a belief that is harmful to them, I'm, you know, if their belief is that they're amazing, they're creative and they can do anything they want, that's great. But if right. their belief is something that is harmful to them, then in work with them to walk through alternative interpretations. Well, first get the event 
where did you discover that? Okay. So so a belief, by the way, is a statement about reality that you believe is the truth. So it's like being pregnant. You either is or you ain't. All right. It's a belief, right? All right. So so where did you discover that? And where did you discover that? How do you know it's true? Yeah. You can't interpret the events until you know what the events are. Okay. You must get the events. All right. So this was a lot. This is an episode that might take a couple, three listens, but in a nutshell, listen, validate, listen for beliefs, um, ask them where they discovered that, and then walk through alternative interpretations. The last step is to get you never saw it in the world. Pardon? You never saw that belief. Help me out. I, I might you be never thinking- saw I'm stupid. You never saw. Oh, I got you. Loves me. Okay. You never saw. I'll never get into Harvard. You never you didn't see that. You saw events. And events are interpreted. I get that. All right. Well, Shelly, this is amazing. This is wonderful for people who are going, oh, my gosh, this is amazing and wonderful. And I want more. Where can they find you online? So um, I want to give Sandy's brilliant followers um, a um, a gift. So if you go to recreateyourlife.com, R-E, recreateyourlife.com, they have the three most common beliefs that people have, and you can eliminate them for free. And not only will you eliminate a belief, which will be very useful, obviously, but you will get very clear on how you dismantle beliefs. And so it will help you as a parent, um, help your kids. Um, We have a program uh, called Natural Confidence, which is the 19 most common beliefs that people have. And you can get it for your teenager. If you think they have low self-esteem, there's nothing, no greater gift you can give them on this planet that will change their lives um, as this program. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time here today, Shelly. This is kind of blew my mind a little bit, even as I see how it fits in, it's going to take me a little bit to digest it, but I very much appreciate this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And mighty parents, thank you for being here. Remember if you're here, you're listening, you are a mighty parent, you got this, and I will see you next week. Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. You can also get Mighty Parenting Plus so you can access our private podcast, which includes all the Mighty Parenting episodes, behind the scenes, guest highlights, and more. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.